Hello and welcome to Cruisin' for a Reviewsin', the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I am your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined by my sister, Erin. Hello. Hello, Erin. You are joining me for the first time. This is the person I've mentioned a few times before who started their Tom Cruise obsession at the exact same time as I did. Uh, so that's exciting. In good old Fallout. Oh, yeah. The best oh, movie ever. Yeah. Uh, we talk about it. A lot, especially the scene where he walks through in his white shirt, just for some reason. Yeah, that's probably where my obsession started. <laughs> and yeah. I went, Ooh. oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we decided it would make sense if we kept up the Mission Impossible thing. But I, instead of letting Erin watch one of the best Mission Impossible movies, I made her watch the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun time. So yes, we are reviewing Mission Impossible 2. Uh, it was from the year 2000. And boy, was it from the year 2000. Like just down to every detail, the matching denim suits, the sunglasses, the hundreds of Oakleys, the cars, everything. Oh, so many Ford Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, product of its time by like a long shot. Uh, and also it was directed by John Woo. You might know him from other films, uh, American films, because he is actually from Hong Kong and typically he directs Hong Kong sort of kung fu action movies. Uh, he's also done things like Face Off, which, in my opinion, is one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, and it really kind of set the scene for what we were about to watch. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if you've seen Face Off, you know the whole Face Off thing. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, he kind of just brought that a lot because, you know, masks and, yeah, just it was basically Face Off too. So, yeah, uh, John Woo is a perfectly fine director in a lot of his uh, films from Hong Kong. I just don't like how they translate when white people are trying to do kung fu and it's just who clearly can't do kung fu at all. Anyway, I digress. We'll uh, get into all that. So before we start, Erin, uh, since you hadn't seen this movie, just give me a little rundown of what you thought of it. Look, it wasn't the worst movie, I think. It was a nail on the head just with the over the top 90s things and clothing and Oakley Sunnies and all those little things. But the movie itself wasn't too bad. Yeah. Like, I, so watching it now again, because I've been talking for nonstop on this podcast that this is the worst movie. And I still maintain that it's the worst Tom Cruise movie, except for maybe Tropic Thunder. But it's just, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just such a product of its time. And it's so unlike all of the other Mission Impossible movies. And it's just really obnoxious. And just obnoxious and just so many random things and scenes thrown in yeah, and, and shots just the worst shots and transitions shots and the music yeah like the different themes of music like, why are you playing spanish music like why yeah I just don't get it so the music was uh done by was composed by Hans zimmer which is why Aaron pointed out at one point one of the songs sounded a lot like the song from gladiator and which makes sense because he did both of those movies but then you know there was like endless limp biscuit bloody mission impossible <laughs> song oh god and then you know metallica and like just a little bit of modern like just a bit too much modern stuff mm. chucked in there as well. Completely out of place. Yep, that's Mission Impossible. So I guess, yeah, it wasn't as bad as when I first watched it. And the story, to me, made more sense. It's been criticised a lot that like, <laughs> the criticisms at the time were that the action was really good and blah, blah, blah. But the plot and the pacing and everything wasn't good. But I actually feel the opposite way. I actually feel like the plot made a lot of sense and the pacing was fine. It was just the action was just really... And I think we went in there expecting it to be ridiculous and over the top so 
we were focusing on that, but also looking at the movie going, actually, it wasn't like the worst movie I've yeah. ever seen. It just, if it hadn't been directed like a Kung Fu movie, maybe yeah. it would have been better. All right, well, let's let's get into it then, shall we? The movie is set mostly in Sydney. So, of course, the worst Mission Impossible is set in Australia. <laughs> so now I'm never going to get a chance to walk around in the background. Unless, unless there's two more coming out. Uh, so, yeah, so we we open up with a shot at um, in Sydney. It's like Sydney, Australia. And there's this old scientist dude who looks kind of looks very German or Russian I think he is mm. and he's like recording a video for, for someone called Dimitri and it's like I need you to help me I need you to fly to Sydney I have 20 hours I've got to get to Atlanta it's of the utmost importance um, we don't really know why we know he's at somewhere called Biosite which is like I guess from the name like a medical biological medical company Yeah. and uh, we see this science uh, sorry, the science nerd injects himself <laughs> something called chim- Chimera Chimera? Chimera? Chimera. Chimera. It's um, an ancient Greek monster. I hope we're saying that right. Anyway, someone's yelling at the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) The movie we just watched. He is picked up by Dimitri. They're on a plane together and turns out Dimitri is Ethan Hunt. Yeah, so Dimitri, aka Ethan, is with him on the plane and our mate's really worried. He's got his little briefcase thing with him with something important in it. He's injecting himself with something else important. We don't know what yet. All of a sudden the plane is losing cabin pressure so the air mask popped down and everyone's like oh but Dimitri Ethan is like don't worry about it I'll, I'll go have a look what's going on and the scientist guy whose name I've completely forgotten he doesn't put the mask on which is lucky because there's something in that knocks everyone out so even one of the pilots gets knocked out the planes put an autopilot with the other pilot I don't know what happens to that pilot do they knock him out or something the main pilot no yeah. he turned out to be oh he's a bad the, yeah he's oh. a bad guy Oh, I missed that. Oh, whoops. I'm <laughs> scribbling my notes madly. Uh, so a big setup. So everyone's passed out except the bad guys who didn't put the mask on and Dimitri who went up to find out what's going on and, uh, and obviously the scientist. And the scientist, when Dimitri gets back, he's like, oh, Dimitri, oh, something's going on. It's really bad. And he's like, you keep calling me Dimitri. He's like, why? Are you not Dimitri? He's like, no, and knocks him out and takes all his medical shit from him. Mm. And then all of a sudden, wham, the mask, mask is off. off. And it is not Ethan Hunt. It is some ugly, ugly man <laughs> with watery eyes who is pretending to be Ethan. Yeah, they skied off of the plane and the co-pilot wakes up just as the plane is about to hit like a big mountain or something and doesn't push up in time. So hundreds of people killed because they wanted something in a briefcase, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. real cool, guys. Real, yeah. Didn't we learn from like Pablo Escobar that you're not meant to do that? Like that's, that's a really <laughs> bad, mean thing to do. Oh, uh, Oh, yeah, so he disabled the science guy with a karate chop. So one of many karate. So many, so many karate chops. Chop. Chop. <laughs> Just everywhere. <Hi-ya! laughs> uh, so yeah, the planes crash and that sort of sets the scene. Um, obviously, IMF is going to have to go get whatever the hell this chimera, chimera thing is. So now we've got to go find where the real Ethan Hunt is. And he is rock climbing with no harness or safety net or anything. Uh, and he's in Chinos too. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, nothing is like climbing, but in your chinos. <laughs> the hot desert sun. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, he does, 
he's risky, nearly falls off the cliff edge. Apparently he was harnessed in, in real, like he was doing it. He was harnessed in, but no safety net, which is still terrifying because that looks really real. Mm. Mm-hmm. Apparently he also learned how to do that just for this movie. Like it was as if it was such an important thing that he's like, yeah, any excuse you? to learn a new, a new skill. And then the helicopter comes in. Uh, obviously it's the IMF because they fire a missile at him <laughs> and it doesn't blow up or anything. And Ethan's like, hmm, what's this? And he goes through <laughs> <laughs> and he opens up the missile and it's a pair of Oakley sunglasses sitting in there. <laughs> and if that doesn't set up how late 90s this movie is, I don't know what does. Uh, he puts the Oakleys on <laughs> and they actually relay his message, which is he has to go to Spain. He has to pick up this woman called Naya Hall. Doesn't really say why, that she's just a famous thief or something. And he's like, Ugh. and they're like, next time that you decide to go on holidays, maybe let us know. And he's like, if I did that, then I wouldn't be on holidays. Holidays. And then, like, this message will self destruct in 10 seconds. And he takes the sunglasses off after saying he's biting a remark about a holiday and throws them towards the camera in slow motion. As they blow up. As they spin towards the camera and. Yep. So that's that's how that movie starts. And then the world's worst title sequence comes on. Uh, most of the Mission Impossibles have like the, they show scenes from the movie coming up. Apparently that was what the TV show one was like. No, this one's just tacky, tacky computer generated imagery. While the uh, Limp Bizkit Mission Impossible theme plays, uh, I can't forget the name of it. It wasn't called anything to do with Mission Impossible. It had its own, I don't know, don't talk about it. Let's forget about it. Some crappy name. Uh, I should know because I was looking, spending a lot of time deep diving on that the other day. But yeah, that's how the, the movie starts. So now he goes to find Naya. She is like a cat burglar, I guess. They um Oh, that's when they Oh wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there because <laughs> between those scenes because also I noticed and I started writing so many notes how many times they zoom in on certain frames. Like when Ethan's rock climbing, then all of a sudden they'll zoom in on like the ground to show, wow, he's really close to falling off the cliff here. <laughs> and then they zoom in on his ugly sunnies and then zoom in on everything. And then before they cut the scene to go see where see Naya in Spain it has a girl in a flamenco dress spinning past the screen it's like a star wipe it's, like, it's literally <laughs> like a star wipe like whoosh of her spinning and dancing on which yeah wow like if you want to date your movie you want to use some of those effects dudes uh, it's yeah really good so now we know we're in Spain because the flamenco dancer twirled her way in basically uh, it's set up so they're trying to be I find this film trying to be too James Bondy it's because they set up that there is a female protagonist who is going to become his love interest and Ethan Hunt doesn't have love interests like he has his wife that's in number three and then there's nothing and then there's kind of Ilsa Faust in number five and six he has feelings for but then he never acts in it like it's always you know very down to business so I hate how they set up really quickly that these two are going to bone straight away Mm. very James Bondy very tacky not good James Bond like really tacky James Bond sort of thing very forced yeah he sees her and he's like watching her and then she disappears behind a flamenco dancer's dress He's keeping that theme. He follows her. He finds her up in a room that she's not meant to be in. She's there to steal this very expensive looking Bulgari necklace. And he kind of catches her. And while he's talking to her, oh, someone, it's like someone comes in. It was someone with a very, like a gold shirt and a gold jacket. Very... Yeah. And then he went in, took his gold jacket off. We're like, oh, he's got a shiny gold shirt on. And he, after he changed, he came out with like a red shirt and a red jacket on. <laughs> He's like, no, this is too much. I'm going to turn it down double red. <laughs> yeah, when the, he comes up, Ethan pushes her into the bathtub and suddenly it's a... Oh, she, like, she's lying in the bathtub with her legs spread and he's like lying straight down like this, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, do you mind if I'm on top? I'm like, wow, oh. so subtle. 
So they swap positions while the guy's there, like, because it matters. And he walks out and she continues to go stealing the gems. And he's like, I wouldn't press that for you. And she's like, what? And accidentally presses the alarm. And they're like, oh, no. And they're caught. Except turns out Ethan is head of the security advisor or whatever. And the guy who owns the jewels is like, hey, be careful. That's my head of security there. And he's like, yes, I found your floor. This is my associate. She was helping me. And she's like, oh, yes, I was, wasn't I? And she has to give the jewels back. And so they, you know, outside later talking and she's really pissed off at him nearly runs him over yeah <laughs> so she well she's pissed off because she's like i could have my jewels like what did you do and he's like well actually i set the alarm off myself and like proves it by setting off the alarm again so she's furious at him so she speeds off in her audi and like later's dickhead and oh, does he talk to her about what he, he needs it for something and she's oh, like yeah, are you a spy yeah and she's like are you a spy and she's like disgusting and leaves uh their next encounter immediately happens she's driving spinning around in her audi because time has passed because it's daytime now but she's spinning around in her audi she gets a phone call and it's him and she's like how do you have this number even I don't have this number and he's like look behind you and he's there in his little Porsche and he's like they're like driving up next to each other and just shouting to each other across <laughs> the cars and he's there talking and she's like well if you're a spy you're gonna have to catch me and she speeds off and there's a car chase and like she nudges him and he, they get yeah, nudging she gets each other. slamming a car into his yeah she really doesn't like him at this no. point <laughs> yeah there's some pretty cool car stunts here quite famous I know when I was looking up stunt school one of the stunts that they were going to teach you it would be one of the spinning car ones from like, this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, the worst movie, but also that's a cool stunt. Yes. Yeah, so they have that, but she doesn't look where she's going. She nearly gets run off the road by a truck and she goes spinning, but luckily Ethan's there to spin with her and the music's playing like they're doing like flamenco dancing. And it's with so... the cars spinning, like doing donuts like side by side. Yeah. It's, oh, and and it's like slow motion looking around like, oh no. And so he just saves her she nearly topples off the edge but he saves her life so now she kind of feels like she has to oh no she sits in his lap like, yeah he, he pulls, pulls her out... into the car like she's like hanging <laughs> over the edge of a cliff hanging onto the door and then he pulls her in somehow flips her in then she's landing on top of him then all of a sudden they start kissing yeah like, they start oh, smooching okay. and the next thing you know it's like them after like post coitus uh, <laughs> and I'm like well at least I got to see Tom Cruise's nipples I guess but this has moved way too fast so yeah they've um, done it now and suddenly they're now like super into each other that was quick I guess that's the James Bond thing, right? No, no, just like suddenly the woman's like, oh, I love him so much. Yeah, and that's all I got was James Bond vibes. Yeah. Like in that 10 minute scene. Yeah. Now we are introduced to Anthony Hopkins, who is actually uncredited in this. He's the um, mission commander, I guess the head of the IMF. Uh, he meets Ethan and shows this video of the old scientist guy from the beginning. And Ethan hadn't seen it. So he's like, whoa, okay, well, we need to go get it to him immediately, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, he's already dead. He died in a plane crash. He's like, well, if he said he wouldn't go anywhere without me, what happened? He's like, yeah, we knew we couldn't get hold of you. So we got one of the other IMF guys, Ambrose, to wear one of your masks and be you. And then all this happened. So Ethan's like, well, obviously it's Ambrose who's done this because who else could have? And they're like, like, what was the the thing that he had that no one really knows? Like they just know mm. that the scientist had something called Chimera it was very important and now it's lost. So, or Ambrose has it and Ambrose is probably the only person who knows what it is. So uh, that's where Naya comes in. Naya used to have a relationship with Ambrose, which is why she doesn't like spies because he is a spy and well, was a spy, I guess. Now he's very much disavowed and they need her to rekindle the relationship so that they can 
basically spy on him and find out what this thing is before they pull him in. He has to go tell her that. Ethan isn't very happy about it. He thought he was just recruiting her for a thieving, thievery skills. Mm. But no, it's to basically manipulate her really badly. So yeah, that's a setup. She, and then when he's telling her on his balcony and they're like getting angry at each other about it. And he's like, well, how would you, like, do you want me to say that, you know, I don't want this to happen? How would that make, uh, how would that make you feel? And she's like, better. And he's like, well, feel better. <laughs> Like, wow, that's really uh, a sensitive approach and mature. And it's yeah, full on domestic, and you've known each other 24 hours. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, she is made to, she's basically guilted into it because Anthony Hopkins gave Ethan a camera with photos, world photos of the airplane wreckage. So he was to kind of manipulate her some more into doing this. And she's like, I don't have a conscience, I'm a thief. But she agrees to do it anyway because I guess that's the power of Ethan Hunt. Like, oh, that's it. <laughs> when Anthony Hopkins is like do you think this is going to be difficult and he's like yes he's like well luckily this is mission impossible mr hunt and not to mission difficult difficult should be a walk in the park (laughs) (laughs) oh and i just forgot the other line that bloody anthony hopkins said this movie is quite sexist too he's like i don't think she'll do it Uh, i don't think she's got the skills to do this and he says go to bed with a man and lie to him she's a woman she's got all the training she needs get up (laughs) this is why you're uncredited Hope you die. (laughs) Well, he's not number three, so he must have died. Piece of shit. So anyway, he's decided he's going (laughs) to... He's gonna, frick, she's gonna freaking do it. Um, but she's like, well, he's not gonna believe me if I just go back and say, hey, let's get back together. And Ethan's like, don't worry, I'm gonna do something really elaborate so he'll like won't be suspicious. So the setup is because she's a famous thief, they're gonna make it so she's caught, and all the like, there's all these news things going out, bulletins going out about her needing capture, and that she's caught, and he then Ambrose is gonna be the one to bail her out. So that's how they get her back into Ambrose's life without being obvious. And I say obvious in quotes because obviously Ambrose. Is, is onto it immediately, <laughs> which was uh, yeah, not surprised anyone because he is literally Ethan Hunt, but just just he's Ethan Hunt. So yeah. Ethan Hunt wouldn't have been tricked by that. So and he yeah. Anyway, and then even so, they she wouldn't get caught out. Like they gave her a tattoo. That's how they were tracking her. Oh yeah, with... and then they put the tracker in the in the fakest looking tattoo I've ever seen. Like had that shiny temporary Fake, tattoo yeah. <laughs> look to it. <laughs> she goes back to Ambrose, very dramatic, like slow motion on a boat with her scarf billowing in the wind. For like a million hours of that while there Ethan is reunited with Luther who comes with I don't know if he's IMF but there's this Aussie like helicopter pilot who's the most Australian man on earth oh g'day mate it's really good to be working with you cobber <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be inside eh <laughs> oh it's having a snag in the barbie eh <laughs> Uh, and they're in a random shack in the middle of Australia and yeah. kept doing like all these close up shots of kangaroos jumping through. The, <laughs> and Luther steps in some like, I don't know, kangaroo poo and he's like, Mark expensive loafers. And I'm like, you're out back, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're tracking her. They can track her really easily, but they've also got the ability to use the, her location to get a satellite to watch her. And it's taking too long. Ethan's like really agitated. And Luther's like, I'm doing the best I can. But yeah, somehow. Poor Luther, like they keep giving him so much crap for taking too long he's like I'm just it's like I'm trying it's, my best guys it's literally the year 2000 what do you want me to do guys <laughs> like our phones are like the size of wallets like i don't know what you want me to do so they eventually zoom in on her and it's right when she's had like uh, ambrose greets her and like her scarf flies off in slow motion he goes snatch and grabs it i don't know what the and then he, was. yeah no then he grabs it and he puts it around her neck and pulls her pulls in. her in to kiss her oh. and then you see ethan he gets so angry he's so jealous like like woman i've just is kissing that man i told her to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah, it's all set up. Uh, now we can see what's happening. And like when she walks into the building, Ethan's just staring at the satellite image of the roof of the house. And like, even as he's watching, he's like, better not be the bedroom. You can just imagine <laughs> him thinking, where are you? What room are you in? Oh, God. Uh, so that doesn't work because Ethan wouldn't get jealous like that, stupid jerks. And she, she's uh, scanned by one of the tech guys Ambrose has. And she's like, oh, she's got no bugs or anything. She's all clean. And we're introduced to Hugh, this um, South African guy who's like the psychic Ambrose kind of thing and he's like all cats are and they never go back to that like there's no reference to her being yeah we even looked at each other like what was that is it because she's a cat burglar but then a cat burglar won't be clean anyway that was a dumb line and I like, immediately <laughs> set up I'm like I hate you I hate you character <laughs> so while they're watching uh, they like realise it's him you know they've got him and they've got to work out what this chimera thing is and Billy the Aussie guy is like well we've got him he's like no it's, it's going to be fine it's going to be fine and Ethan says which is a pretty good line it's like we've just rolled up a snowball and tossed it into hell we'll see what chance she has <laughs> uh, some pretty good lines in this I don't know what happened I just wrote down they figured out that Chimera is a virus oh because they look talking about the message and how he said Chimera I really wish I'd remember how to pronounce that Chimera and Belepharon so Belepharon was an ancient Greek hero or god or something that killed the Chimera this beast that plagued ancient Greece and so they kind of were from that worked out well Chimera must be of some sort of virus and the Belepharon must be the antivirus so mm. they kind of figure out what it is from that but they still need I guess more evidence I don't know they don't actually know what it is so Ambrose's psychic guy Hugh is really sus on Naya straight off the bat and he has a dig at Ambrose about it and Ambrose that's when Ambrose admits like of course I know that she's here for the IMF like I'm not a big idiot but also I want to have it closer and why can't I play with her gross he doesn't like the fact uh, Hugh is questioning his his intentions so like he snips off the end of his cigar and then which I'm like foreshadowing because like two seconds later he like grabs him and like grabs his his finger and is like threatening to chop it off and like yeah he's looking at his finger he's like your nail looks a bit ratty grabs his finger it's like no my finger he's like hovering it over at the end of his finger and then like you know he could have just left it at that and the guy would be like okay okay I won't question your judgment but he actually chops the end of his finger off which is mean also foreshadowing for foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> like now she's in you know she's obviously has oh when he got, gets her a red dress and he's like I want to see it on and she takes her clothes off now she's better with the red dress on he stops her and she's like so you don't want to see it on he's like later Ugh, like, gross. and later you like cut to her like sleeping in the bed I'm like gross I'm so glad I didn't see any of these horrible sex scenes but also I don't want to know anything about them I don't even want to see anything to do with them well apparently this was meant to be rated R and it was meant to be like three and a half hours long. So what? That, yeah. So they had to cut a whole lot out. So I think they were saying there was like there's heaps of plot holes in it. So they probably had all these scenes and people watching were going, that's really not necessary. Yeah. Maybe. I, I feel don't like know. the plot went okay with like, I don't think there was plot holes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe other people did, but maybe they just cut out or well, they had to cut out like what an hour and a half? Hour and a half. Of extra footage, yeah. Can you imagine how awful that would have been? <laughs> Three and a half hours of just constant like super fast close-ups and inanimate objects <laughs> jesus christ they probably cut like four and a half thousand more of those out and that's how they save the time and like the gross sex scenes yeah so they're going to the the horse races which we noticed i don't know if in the year 2000 maybe we didn't dress up that much for the races but normally in australian tradition i don't know if it is anywhere else not that i ever go to races anymore but you dress up really fancy dress with a matching hat and mm. no one was staggeringly over like staggeringly drunk so yeah everyone's walking around 
in their Oakleys and power suits. That's all I saw. Yeah. Like no one, yeah, none of the women were dressed up. I saw one woman wearing a pink suit with like matching pink Oakleys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so they're at the horse races and they she gets an earpiece from the IMF team from Billy's disguise as like the porter or something. And she puts the earpiece at Ethan's there and like they're just like talking to each other, this earpiece just looking at each other with binoculars across the field. <laughs> but then just going back, when they gave her they so said the Aussie guy went up yeah. to her and gave her the book something about being vain or something to do with um, mm. horse racing and then she opened it up in huge writing it's like they printed it out in Microsoft <laughs> Word and like font 50 <laughs> then cut it out and sticky taped it onto the book with the earpiece said put this in your ear <laughs> like nonchalantly giving her the book but then just over the top imagine if he'd been there like he saw it and also it's like fill me with what Ned with water <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're having this conversation about Ethan's asking her, you know, what can you tell me? It was like, oh, lots of new guys I don't know except Hugh, his side man, who's a bit of a creep, blah, blah, blah. And like he tells her, oh, yeah, over here, he's a meeting with someone. He's playing with a character played by Brendan Gleeson, who is John McCloy, who actually owns Biosite because they can, they can hear and see everything. Thanks to Luther, they see him put this uh, memory card into his right breast or left breast pocket and she's like I heard you I'm gonna get it because I'm a thief and he's like okay well I'll meet you down at the place where you put bets as soon as you can and she manages to nick it from him without him knowing and she's like I'm gonna go place another bet and he's like wait a minute and she's like I've been caught he's found me out He's like, put $1,000 down for me. And what we noticed, so in Australia, we have plastic, brightly coloured money. And when he has a 50 and he has hundreds, they are the plastic notes that we are familiar with now, which means we've had those notes for at least 20, 20 years now. 20 years, yeah. Like, it makes A, me feel really old. And B, I did not know that they were that old. Yeah, yeah. neither. I wouldn't have. I thought yeah. that and I was like, wow, that's like current currency. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was just a little tidbit of information for Australians that those notes have been around for at least 20 years. Unless they were really new at the time. Anyway, I don't know. So she goes down to place the bets. She manages to lose Hugh by uh, Billy's like standing around and like slams the door on him and nearly gets choked to death by Hugh, who's a furious, furious man. And like, imagine if that just been a normal staff member and like physically assaulted by <laughs> this dude because a door got slammed on his sore hand. And funny scene before that, like you see him standing around in the background, touching his pinky finger. Like you can yeah, tell yeah. he's just going... <laughs> Oh, it's really hurt. <laughs> and just rubbing his bandaged finger. <laughs> like zooming in on his bandaged finger. <laughs> just like, in case you forgot, his finger hurts. And they did another zoom to see it's bleeding now. So yeah. he's so angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she So she manages to get, she gets Ethan in line. They're like pretending they don't, have, they don't know each other kind of thing. Well, he's like, don't turn around. And then she turns around and glares at him. And he's like, you turned around. I'm like, thanks, Captain Obvious. And she's, I don't know, she's really mad for some reason. I don't know what's going on. But they look at the, the card Luther races over and as they're like kind of glaring at each other Luther's like standing there like yeah I'm gonna go now goodbye yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of this shit goodbye and they actually look at what's on the memory card which made John McCloy look really frazzled and it turns out it is images of someone who's been infected with this chimera disease turns out it's like the worst kind of flu you could possibly imagine and they show him at 20 hours he looks okay 
Then at 27 hours, he's all pussy and crusty and, like, mm. lying down in a hospital, obviously. And then 31 hours, he's even more rank. And then, like, 30-something yeah. hours and he was dead and all blood with like, pouring out of all these orifices. So they're like, oh, it's like a super thing. And so we've, we had the antidote, but we don't have the... So they figure out he's injected the chimera into himself to transport it, but he also was carrying the antivirus. So they're like, now we know what the fuck this is. How exciting. So, yeah, the storyline's kind of good. Like, it's a, it's different to most of the other Mission Impossibles. Just everything else so wait, once ethan sort of sees all this he's like wow this is really really bad so he says to naya I, I need you to get out we need to get you out as soon as possible like this is we, we have what we need now and we need you to get out like as safely as quickly and safely as possible before this gets too far mm. and she's like fine fine i'll do it so naya goes back up to ambrose and she has to get the memory card back otherwise he'll be sus and when she like it's like oh that's good to see you. i put the bets down and she slides it back into his pot but in the wrong side and he's zooms in on his suspicious Aloysius face. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, so what is she doing? So he twigs straight away that something's up and yeah, she she's a good thief, but she's not a good putter backer, as it turns out. So uh, I guess later that night, Penny makes a break for it. So she manages to sneak off without Ambrose seeing her and she is running off and Ethan grabs her and she's like, oh, thank God. And he says, Look, change of plans. You need to stay now. We need you to continue spying for us. And in fact, you have to just basically do everything that Ambrose wants from now on. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're meant to, this is meant to be a rescue. I was so relieved to be getting out of here. I just, I love you and I want to be with you, kind of is insinuated mm. heavily. And he's like, no, sorry, you just got to do what he wants. And um, I promise this will be all over soon. I promise this will be all over. And I'm like, oh, ominous. And <laughs> so she runs back, kind of upset. And Ethan's looking all serious. And you're like, is he upset that he has to, had to turn her back? But no, bam, rips off a mask and it turns out it's Ambrose looking fucking emotionally distraught because he's found out the love of his life was not only spying on the IMF but also has feelings for the guy he hates who is Ethan Mm. Hunt because he keeps having to wear Ethan Hunt's mask every time (laughs) Ethan goes on holidays. So, yeah, um, she's she's cooked at the moment, I guess you could say. And Erin, I just realised we've gone on for a little while so we might take a little break there. Yeah. So we'll continue with part two next week. But in the meantime, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram on Kitty Bling. So oh, I don't even know how many Gs I have. I made a whole bunch of Gs at the end. So it's just kitty.blingggg. I think it's three Gs. Let's uh, go three Gs. Try three Gs. If it's not, might be two. I know, I'll put a link. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll check some links around. That's all good. Uh, for me, you can find me on Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram and Tom Cruise Review, no S, on Twitter or everything's on tomcruisereviews.com until next week catch you later bye